0: When are we going to have hydro again?
1: Because nobody's told us anything, right? When when are we going to have garbage services? Shoe swap residents staying put despite an evacuation order. The conditions helping firefighters in the Adams Lake complex fire as they wait for rain. Plus, likely we'll see effects in operations throughout the year. Still not out of the danger zone. The long road to recovery for Okanagan businesses and residents and the planned ignitions going ahead, and
2: uh, it Definitely makes the budget a little tighter. Uh, not a lot of extra spending room in our budgets.
1: Sticker shock at the gas pumps, why fuel prices are going up and how high they could go.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. As many Okanagan wildfire evacuees return home this weekend, residents of the Shoe Swap are wondering when their turn is coming. Conditions have improved considerably in the Bush Creek East wildfire fight. But as Travis Prasad reports, the long evacuation order has created a new set of challenges
4: the smoke clearing enough for crews to resume fighting the Bush Creek East wildfire from the sky. Conditions have been favorable. Despite a hot, dry weekend, there's been minimal wind.
5: Well, that's good news
2: for us and in general it allows us to get in and do a little bit tighter work closer to the head of the fire
3: because it's, you know, slightly safer for us.
4: The 43,000-hectare fire still classified as out of control. Roughly 3,700 properties remain under evacuation order. Lynn Garlock is a Scotch Creek evacuee.
2: Our home is, as we left it, it's untouched and we're ever so grateful.
4: But Garlock is also concerned about the well-being of residents in evacuation zones. She says she knows of at least two people who defied evacuation orders and stayed on their properties who are now being denied access to critical supplies.
2: Although they say they're bringing supplies, they're bringing them down to Ross Creek and they won't allow these two ladies to go across Ross Creek and get the supplies and get home. They won't allow them.
4: The big question for people in the region is when evacuation orders will be downgraded to alerts. Officials say power needs to be restored first. BC Hydro has started that work north of the lake but it won't happen quickly. But
6: it will be uh, mid next week before we know more about uh, when power is going to be restored to a lot of those north shore communities.
4: Meanwhile rotting food in powerless fridges and freezers creating a new problem.
0: We're putting garbage on on our roof of our shop because um, all the animals are coming down from the forest and they're hungry and they're scared, so they're a little aggressive, and so we're just trying to... Kind of mitigate that.
4: Charlotte Hall chose not to leave Lee Creek despite the evacuation order, deciding instead to assist municipal and provincial firefighters on the front lines. For the past week, she's been updating concerned neighbors who did leave.
0: She's FaceTiming them, showing them that their house is okay, that their livestock's okay, your cat's okay. If that's something that I can do to relieve people, then that's something that I can totally do.
4: Relief is something firefighters here are expecting later in the week with rain and cooler temperatures in the forecast. Travis Prasad, Global News.
1: To the Grouse Complex fire in the central Okanagan now and hundreds more evacuation orders were rescinded today allowing people to return to their homes and businesses. But the situation remains far from normal. Kamal Karamali joins us now from West Kelowna with the latest Kamal.
6: Christa, firefighters might be winning the battle against the McDougal Creek wildfire, but a quick look behind me shows that there's still a lot more work to be done. Large plumes of smoke billowing up along the mountainside here. On the other side of Okanagan Lake, though, it's less about battling the blaze and more about recovery. Fire crews in Lake Country, north of Kelowna, put out a hot spot over what remains of a structure decimated by wildfire. Luckily, this wasn't anyone's home, but
4: this was. I believe that this was a uh, the cabin that was uh, part of the, the property. And so
6: was this. At least three houses burned to the ground in Lake Country. We haven't got like the total tally yet, but we're working through on that. Look how close the fire came to these multi-million dollar homes. Just a few glimpses of what Lake Country residents came home to after all evacuation orders were lifted in their area over the weekend, with the two fires east of Okanagan Lake now considered held both the city of Kelowna and Lake Country now open to all residents. But life is still far from normal. It's, it's been bad. <laughs> Alexa Stewart's Lake Country Winery sits empty. Even though the evacuation order has been rescinded, she's been playing it safe.
7: The past three days we've been on alert. Uh, we have decided to remain closed this weekend um, out of respect for our neighbours who are still under order.
6: It takes a bite out of her bottom line, a common theme for businesses, many barely keeping their head above water.
8: This is a critical time for our small businesses. This is a small and medium-sized industry throughout the region. Uh, So they really depend on the summer months to to gain that revenue to get them through winter.
6: On the other side of the lake, the battle against the McDougall Creek wildfire continues in West Kelowna. Tough to miss the hollow remains of multi-million dollar homes and hotels as crews work feverishly to save what they can, progress, is happening, but dry conditions hardly make it a guarantee.
7: As we see hotter, drier conditions on a fire of this size, there will be places where fire activity uh, will pick up throughout the day.
6: While crews continue to power through the fatigue and restore utilities back to homes in the area. The latest number of homes under evacuation order stands at 2,400 properties, all of them here in West Kelowna and the surrounding area. Now, a public briefing is scheduled for tomorrow, and officials tell us that they're expecting more good news on allowing people to return home. Krista?
1: Kamil, thank you. That's Kamil Karamali in West Kelowna reporting live for us today. A controlled burn has gone ahead for the Downton Lake fire burning north of Hemberton. Crews tackled the southern flank of the fire perimeter Saturday night, roughly four kilometers east of Gold Bridge. The planned ignition removes unburned fuel and helps crews secure the control lines. The wildfire was first spotted in July and has destroyed a number of properties west of Gun Lake. An evacuation order remains in effect. The air quality advisory remains in effect across Metro Vancouver as wildfire smoke continues to push its way into the region. The smoke coming from fires burning in the interior and Washington state. The advisory was reissued on Friday for Metro Vancouver and parts of the Fraser Valley. And the conditions forced the tour de cure to be halted after lunch on the second day of the BC Cancer Foundation Fundraising cycling event. It ended at Seabird Island outside Agassiz after most completed 170 kilometers of the 200K route to Hope. And meteorologist Yvonne Schell joining us now from the PE to just show us why the Tour de Cure had to be cut short. Yvonne.
9: Krista, the air quality, especially in areas into the eastern Fraser Valley, went from moderate to very high. The air quality health index still sitting at very high. Let's take a quick snapshot of what it looks like. So the eastern Fraser Valley is the big concern. We're sitting at around 10 plus at this hour and it'll improve, especially as we get in towards this evening, but we still have another hazy day in store for tomorrow. Areas into the central Fraser Valley sitting at six and then areas along the water, we're sitting closer to four. So that's around a moderate risk. But that's the big concern, especially for the eastern Fraser. Valley that improvement will come overnight tonight and still quite hazy through the day for tomorrow smoky skies bulletin will still remain in a place especially for the southeastern corners of the the southern interior rather and the northeastern corners of the province we still do have a heat warning that is in effect for the peace and areas inland for the north coast but we are going to see a big improvement that is on the way we've got rain in the forecast of the timeline how much we're anticipating and when we'll see some relief especially for the
1: fires for the interior Krista Thanks, Yvonne. We'll check back in a little bit later. To some breaking news now out of Surrey, where police are on scene of a homicide. Just before noon today, Surrey RCMP say they were alerted by firefighters about the sudden death of a man inside a home. The 57-year-old victim was found in the residence at 191 Street and 68th Avenue. A 42-year-old man was arrested at the scene. Police say there is no risk to public safety. Members of an affordable housing advocacy group are calling for changes to daycare licensing regulations. That's after a Vancouver home daycare operator's application for an eight-child expansion was rejected by the city. Grace Key reports.
10: Which is a serious issue I'm sure you're Absolutely. aware of in the city of Vancouver.
11: Peter Waldkirch oh, yeah. with Abundant Housing Vancouver is handing out pamphlets near Douglas Park. This comes after the city's Board of Variants turned down an application from the daycare just across the street to expand.
0: right to mirror and council to sort of help them keep the pressure on to sort of fix the system so we can get the daycare we need.
5: I've got few friends who are new mothers and they cannot even return to work and it's so hard for women. Like we want to go back to work and
11: uh, be part of the system, but where do we put the children? With a shortage of almost 15,000 licensed childcare spaces in Vancouver, the group feels meeting licensing and safety standards should be enough.
0: This daycare was rejected for discretionary reasons. It's not allowed by right. Even if you have all of the relevant safety and
3: licensing all sorted out, the city still has a discretion to reject you. <laughs>
11: Douglas Park Academy has eight children and was seeking approval for another eight spots in the owner's upper floor. They basically just said, unless the neighbours are on board, it's not going to happen. What did you hear was the biggest complaint from the neighbours? From the neighbours, we heard the noise. um, Just added congestion to the area, the community. Uh, Parking was an issue in their letters. um, And they were worried about our business and our house becoming this, you know, commercial mogul. Uh, business in the middle of their community. We've been painted in the wrong picture uh, Mm. completely, right? Mm. The issue is not about the noise or the traffic or anything like that. We live next to a park. One neighbour came to debate the issue, saying he supports the existing daycare with eight children, but not expanding it.
5: You can't just go off and say, okay, that's now going to become a coffee shop or that's going to become a daycare or we're going to start building a factory here instead of parks.
10: And comparing daycare to a factory no, is pretty pretty extreme, sir. The extreme. reality is
6: Vancouver has real needs. It needs housing, it needs daycare.
11: ABC Vancouver, the majority council has promised to deliver 5,000 new child care spaces.
6: We inherited a mess of uh, policies that do not favour trying to create new child care spaces in our city. So that's why we've pledged to try and reform them. One of the first things that we did as a council was to approve uh, unanimously uh, a harmonization of the policies with the provincial government that takes away some of the really the onerous requirements of doing child care.
11: Douglas Park Academy says they were hoping to work with neighbours to address concerns but doesn't think that's possible with relationships now too fractured. Grace Key, Global News.
1: Inflation weary lower mainland drivers couldn't help but notice gas prices in the area are particularly volatile this weekend, with some stations posting significant upticks in the price at the pump. A gas station in Port Coquitlam advertised regular gas at 213.9 a liter this morning. Elsewhere in Vancouver, one station had gas at 212.9 cents a liter. While down the street, another station had it at 207.9. An energy analyst says there are multiple reasons for the price jumps, including fluctuating markets, a fire at an oil refinery in Louisiana, a falling Canadian dollar, and a dwindling oil supply. Much to the dismay of motorists,
6: we're likely to see prices remain, uh, you know, above the two dollar liter uh, price range. With days where I think we could be testing two twenty, maybe even two twenty five. Worst case scenario.
8: Either I put it on gas or I buy groceries or I pay rent
1: or
12: in general yeah we don't do longer road trips or anything right now.
1: McTague says he expects most drivers to pay an additional five cents a liter into the Labor Day weekend and adds the last time gas prices were this high in the region was more than 10 months ago. Police are investigating a suspicious morning fire at the Rutland Health Center in Kelowna.
5: And we responded with three units, a rescue, and a platoon captain vehicle.
1: The call came in around six thirty this morning, and it's believed the fire started on the outside of the building. Bylaw officers were in the area at the time and noticed the smoke. The health center was closed, and nobody was inside at the time, but the fire did cause significant damage.
5: Uh, it was fairly minimal on the outside. It uh, did get down into the basement. Uh, so there's a lot of extensive damage down there. IH, I've talked with them, they have a lot of supplies down there. Um, so it got into that, a lot of water damage downstairs and heavy smoke damage to the upstairs of
3: the structure.
1: The fire captain estimates the health centre will be closed for at least a week as there is quite a bit of restora- restoration work rather, that needs to be done. Coming up, a new spoof video showing life in Canada's poorest neighbourhood.
4: This is the downtown East Side. Hey,
2: buddy, can you jug
1: me? The video responds to a viral TikTok and how it shows the realities of life in the downtown East Side. Plus, we head to Kamloops where there was plenty of love and acceptance in the air. Sights and sounds from the annual Pride Parade and the message this year. Downtown Eastside residents have responded to a viral video showcasing a renovated SRO unit renting for $2,000 a month. As Kristen Robinson reports, their mock video about life in the neighborhood is highlighting some very real issues.
8: This is the neighborhood. Hey, get that camera out here. This up. is the reality. This is the downtown Eastside. Hey buddy, can you
4: jog me? Of life. This is bear spray. Get used to breathing it in because it's frequently used as a weapon around here.
8: In the low-income neighbourhood. This,
4: awesome. this is your fabulous 200-square-foot apartment. Yeah.
8: According to the downtown Eastside residents who shot this video.
4: This is the shared washroom accommodation for the entire building.
8: In response to a TikTok showing a tiny unit in the renovated Lotus Hotel SRA for two grand a month.
0: This is a 200, yeah, 200-square-foot 200 apartment in downtown Eastside.
4: We just wanted to... S- show the whole truth.
8: Trey Helton says developers don't reveal everything their buyers and tenants will experience.
4: They come here, they hear screaming all night, they see uh, ambulances, they see overdoses. This is a graffiti artist.
9: It's it a little far fresh, but I mean, it's pretty close, right? and the, the living conditions are, t- are terrible.
4: This is a burnt out building. Get used to it because everything around here lights on fire.
8: Videographer Nathaniel Canwell says the downtown East Side's identity is being lost.
10: It really stings, the gentrification that's happening where we really feel like we're losing control of our, our neighborhood. They want to deal with the homelessness. Why are they Kicking people out and putting up $3,000 rooms. The reality of what they're spoofing is, is very real.
8: The city adopted vacancy controls in 2021 to limit rent increases between tenancies in single-room accommodations. But the bylaw amendments were struck down in B.C. Supreme Court, and the city has filed an appeal.
10: But whether or not it happens and results the kind of need that we see, which is vacancy control for these SRU units or some radical massive investment uh, into new housing units to, to replace those units, we're, we're going to see a lot more homelessness in the streets of Vancouver.
4: This is the Shared Kitchen Accommodations. And soon, developers will buy this building and turn these units into $3,500 rentals.
8: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
1: Vancouver police are asking for the public's help in finding a missing senior. 74-year-old Evelyn Steele left her home near Yale and North Penticton streets at 8.30 this morning. She never returned home and hasn't been heard from since. She has limited mobility and is known to frequent the area around East Broadway and Commercial Drive. Police say her disappearance is out of character and she may appear confused or disoriented. Anyone who sees her is asked to call 911. Hundreds filled the streets of Kamloops today for the city's Pride Parade. This is the fifth year the city has put on a parade. There were fears the parade was in jeopardy early this week due to wildfire smoke. But organizers say conditions were much better today and the celebration continued on.
8: The queer community are my cousins, my co-workers, my
9: family, my friends. They are part of our community and we need to show them that we value them and that they are part of our community. And
11: people are people. In the end, we're one big community and we've got all different types of people in that community.
1: The parade comes just a day after a small group protested a drag queen storytelling event in the city Saturday. Pride Camloops organizers say the incident shows events like Pride is as important as ever. Coming up, searching for answers in a Kamloops missing persons case. The renewed hope in the 2006 disappearance of Jessie Foster and who her mother believes could help solve the case. Kamloops' mother searching for answers in her daughter's disappearance says the recent arrest of an alleged serial killer has given her hope. 21-year-old Jessie Foster got on a plane to Las Vegas in 2006 and never returned home. She was allegedly forced into sex work by her mother, by her boyfriend rather. Her mother says she stopped responding to her family's phone calls one day and was never heard from again. Rex Yerman has been charged with murdering three sex workers in New York State. While nothing connects him to Foster's case, their time in Nevada did overlap.
7: There's more of a likely a chance that this could be a connection to Jesse than a lot of the ones because he did use escorts and he was in Las Vegas in 2006. And um, he was a very powerful man. He's a big guy. So the more I think about it, the more I can't try to convince myself it's not.
1: Foster has never been confirmed dead, but her mother hopes Yerman's arrest could bring her family one step closer to closure and shed light on what happened to her daughter. In the Northwest Territories, there is both relief and worry. Firefighters have managed to save the town of Hay River after a wildfire moved within a kilometer of the community. But a new heat warning and a shift in the winds is once again putting the region at risk. Mike Armstrong reports.
10: The town of Hay River is supposed to be cleared out. The fire is that close. Even firefighting crews were cut down to only essential workers. Support staff was moved south. Despite the danger, it's believed about 100 people refused to leave.
4: The fire situation is very serious. If you're there, it's not safe.
10: Um, Please, if you can, arrange a way out.
4: Somebody was asking about
10: sprinklers. Crews spent days preparing, laying down defenses in case the fire got close. Oh boy, oh boy. It did. According to the latest update, the flames made it within a kilometer and a half of the town center and within a kilometer of the airport. Those efforts... It definitely paid off. The mayor says without the work that was done, the situation may have been worse. Fire breaks and sprinkler systems protected the town. Wind conditions helped as well and allowed crews to attack from the air. One thing they were nervous they might lose was the water treatment plant just north of Hay River. It so far has made it through. That was
11: a you know,
10: that was a huge win for the
11: community, and that's what we're doing right now is counting our wins and being prepared for whatever comes at us.
10: Now, close to 70% of people in the Northwest Territories have been forced from their homes. The city of Edmonton has had to stop registering new evacuees. It's placed 3,100 people in hotels, twice the number it expected. Since leaving Yellowknife 11 days ago, this man and his family have had to change hotels three times.
3: It's been rough um, trying to work with Red Cross. I realize there's a lot of people, and they're doing their best. They're volunteers, and, and um, but it, it's, been, it's been a bit of a struggle.
10: Good luck, guys. There are about 200 firefighting personnel still working to protect the town of Hay River. The Coast Guard has a ship on Great Slave Lake in case people need to seek refuge. It's very much a lost resort everyone hopes isn't needed. Mike Armstrong, Global News.
1: A Winnipeg organization is collecting thousands of red dresses to try to gain more support to search a local landfill where the remains of two Indigenous women are believed to be. Katherine Dornian reports. On the steps of the
0: legislature, dozens of red dresses represent loved ones who never came home. Manitoba Moon Voices has collected and displayed them as a physical signifier of their call to all levels of government to search the prairie green landfill. Executive Director Shannon Hoskey says supporters still aren't backing down. We believe that we, should, we shouldn't ever have to beg for our relatives to come home to have that you know, basic human right. A blockade went up at Brady Road Landfill in July after the provincial government refused to support a search of Prairie Green for the remains of Mercedes Myron and Morgan Harris. It was dismantled by police 12 days later, but public support for the search has continued to build. Manitoba Moon Voices wants to collect 10,000 red dresses in total to display at the Brady Landfill and remind people what's been lost. This is a human rights issue and all levels of government should be on board to support searching the landfill. The display at the legislature was only up for today, but the organization will continue to accept donations of red dresses and T-shirts until they reach their goal. And more demonstrations are being planned next month right across the country.
8: So September 18th, we are having an International Day of Action Search Landfills. Uh, We are calling everyone from across Turtle Island to take part in that day at 12 noon.
0: Melissa Robinson, Morgan Harris's cousin, will be in Ottawa that day with her family to protest on the day Parliament returns for its fall session. There will also be a rally at Winnipeg's legislature, plus events in Edmonton, Toronto, Halifax, and Vancouver. Robinson expects to see big crowds that day and hopes the scale of the events will have a major impact.
8: It's to start conversation and to have people, you know, recognize that we're all equal. And, you know, everyone deserves that dignity even after death.
0: Hoping that conversation reaches the people who can bring her cousin home. Catherine Dornian, Global News.
1: Still to come, we head down to the PE where our Yvonne Shell is taking in all the festivities, including this unreal acrobatic stunt. Disclaimer don't try this at home. The high flying fools show off their moves just after the break. Time now to check on weather with meteorologist Yvonne Shell, who is down at the PNE. And Yvonne, you had no fun yesterday, so we sent you back again today. How's it looking down there? <laughs>
9: It's busy. The crowds are gathered. We've got a very special show that's going to take place just in behind us and a very special guest in just a moment. We're at the Agrodome Plaza. I'll get to the forecast and my special guest in just a moment. But a look, day two of record-breaking heat. It was very hot and hazy right across the province. Temperatures today, Pemberton, the hot spot, up to 35.7, the old record of 35 degrees set back in 1986. Whistler getting up to 33. Chilliwack, similar. Powell River as well as Dees Lake. But we've got that break that is on the the way the smoky skies bulletin will still remain in effect till tomorrow the heat for the northeastern corners for the peace will continue in towards our Tuesday and areas along the north coast inland will still see temperatures getting closer to 30 degrees that'll continue in towards tomorrow hoping to see a bit of a reprieve and break on the way by Monday or Monday afternoon now here's what we're anticipating Tuesday into Wednesday we've got rain along the south coast but the bulk of the moisture if you're in the interior will be Wednesday Thursday where we're looking at periods of rain and much needed Across the region so we've got one more warm day that'll be for tomorrow smoke from many areas across the province extending in towards the northeastern corners it'll be hazy and then the big weather story for us along the south coast with it the instability is going to pick up we're actually looking at the risk and the potential for thunderstorms that'll be for the afternoon temperatures tomorrow away from the water still closer to 27 degrees and then periods of rain on tuesday it'll be a soggy one looks to rebound But a bit of a break from the heat will continue in towards our Wednesday and Thursday. All right, Aaron Randles joins us. You're a new show here at the PE. Tell us about this. You guys are the Flying Fools high dive. What will you be doing this evening at your performance?
5: All right, the audience here has come out. It's great crowds. And um we will start off with some Olympic style diving where you see uh some hand-first dives. All of us are either acrobats coming from a platform diving platform or a springboard diving background, trampolinist, um, and we're doing a three-meter springboard, five-meter springboard, seven-meter springboard, and the final, final high one, which I do, (laughs) which is 80 feet into that tiny little pool over there, which is only three feet or three meters of water.
9: You guys make it look easy, but really, what is it like when you're standing up there?
5: Oh, my gosh. Well, actually, it's just so much fun. We've got such an adrenaline. and. Yeah, we're just out to have a good time. So we like to make the audience laugh a bit. So we have the comedy diving. Uh, which is also quite skilled. So, but it's just a really good time. Awesome. You guys will be here. This is the Agrodome Plaza 2,
9: 3:30 and 6:30 every time every day at the PE. So, thank you so much. Thank You've you. actually done us a huge favor. Your show is going to take place moments away. So, we're going to let you go, yes, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. it. All right, you can check out Aaron and all the very talented divers. He's literally, he's just going to go up now. They've put it on hold for us, and we're going to have more at the end of the show as well. And Krista, I I'm hoping to try something this evening because we're always going to be about here trying the food rather. So I've got something that's going to combine two of my favorites. I'll have that coming up shortly. Back to you.
1: All right, you know, Barry and I will be waiting and watching <laughs> for that. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, Yale Town was all about the dogs today as thousands of furry friends and their guardians gathered for the annual pet of Palooza. Three, two, one, go! Oh,
6: come on, bounce, come on, come come on, come <coughs> on.
1: Dozens of doggy vendors setting up shop at North America's largest pet festival this Sunday on Mainland Street. Some of the attractions include yoga with some adoptable puppies, a doggy pool or foam party, a peanut butter licking contest, and of course some dog races with returning champion Francesca being named top dog.
9: She's our champion. She's everyday champion in our family, but uh, yeah,
5: (laughs) I think she's trying to say something. (laughs) She's extremely active, she's very excited, she's very sporty, we do lots of hikes with her.
12: So this is our 10-year anniversary
11: in Vancouver, uh, so generally we have about 10,000 people throughout the weekend and their dogs. It feels like it might be more this year. It is a free event, so it's never 100% sure for, for ticketing, but it's, it's definitely one of our busiest events across the, the country.
1: No doubt. There was also a doggy superhero photo booth. No doubt, Yotown was a very positive place to be, Barry. And of course, you know what they say, obviously went to the dogs.
3: (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I guess most of the dogs were from the North Shore because everyone, it's a rule, you have to own two dogs if you live on the North
1: Shore. (laughs) Minimum, right? Minimum, for sure.
3: All right, what's going on? Uh, Well, no dog from the Whitecaps Mm -hmm. last night. They played great on the road, which hasn't been the case a lot this year, but a big win in Portland. So we'll hear from them. Take a look back at that. And uh, what else uh, finished today? Uh, we had some golf coming up, big finish at the LPGA event at Shaughnessy. So that's all coming up next.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Barry. Mm-hmm. We'll check back in okay. shortly. All right. right, we'll still ahead, a look at the widespread economic effect of wildfires across Canada and the uphill battle for regions ravaged by disasters to rebuild their tourism industry. Stay with us. As Canadians struggle with record-breaking wildfires, one industry that's hit the hardest is tourism. The ability for a region ravaged by a climate-related disaster to attract visitors in the future is a big question mark. And Gaviola reports.
7: Devastation, destruction, displacement. The economic ripple effect of wildfires in B.C. and the Northwest Territories has already dealt a massive blow to tourism during the crucial final summer month of August.
4: The wildfires leave a a long-lasting scar, so there's not something you can rebuild and replace again for the next season.
7: What it means for the future ability of these regions to attract visitors remains to be seen.
4: This is the type of impact that is going to definitely be meaningful
10: for the local communities.
7: Now there will be the task of rebuilding, and in some cases, starting over. But salvaging the reputational damage from harmful rhetoric is a whole other beast.
2: We saw earlier in the year New York, uh, the state of New York and the city of New York completely smogged down with smoke from Canadian forest fires. The smoke has reached
0: uh, Europe.
7: The New York Post didn't hesitate to fan the proverbial flames for its American readers in early June, dubbing smoke-infested Manhattan apocalypse now. The key message? Blame Canada. Regions in Canada aren't the only ones grappling with this challenge. In Greece, this hotel owner says he's not afraid of the physical work ahead to repair what fires have burned, but equally important will be convincing customers to return.
2: Win again the trust, uh, the trust from uh, the guests.
7: This chef in Hawaii still struggling in the aftermath of what she calls mixed messages to tourists is very worried about her community's ability to bounce back financially.
8: Us here in Kihei and in Wailea and a lot of places in Kula, Makawa, Paia, Haiku, those places are still running and all those people still have their bills to pay and they're single parents and they have mortgages and they own businesses.
7: Canada's National Tourism Association says clear messaging is key to reputational repair.
0: It's making sure that the communication to, uh, to travelers is accurate and that we provide, as an industry, the best information possible.
7: The stakes are high for areas that depend on their outdoor splendor to attract
0: tourists. We generate billions in revenue and support countless jobs. And so the increased threat of climate-related disruptions, such as wildfires and, and severe weather, really jeopardizes that vital economic engine.
7: Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto.
1: Still ahead, Barry DeLay is here with a look at sports from around the league, plus the Whitecaps looking to vie for playoff contention, their rough playoff schedule, the rough schedule ahead, and what coach has to say about the standings. Be there
2: when rivals become teammates at the Labour Cup. Don't miss your chance to see six of the best men's tennis players from Europe take on six of their counterparts from the rest of the world over three days of intense team competition. LaverCup.com for info. Don't miss the Jonas Brothers coming to Rogers Arena. Be there November 11th as they return to Vancouver to play five albums in one night this fall. Tickets are on sale now. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman.
3: Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event... Build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together.
1: Barry DeLay is in now, and Barry, mm-hmm. you're talking Whitecaps, how mm-hmm. to go.
3: Yes, they got the ball rolling, so to speak, for their big <laughs> road trip last night. Thanks, Krista. The uh, Whitecaps are off to a great start on their seven-game road trip. They beat Portland 3-2 last night, thanks to a pair of goals from Ryan Gould. It will be an exhaustive next month with all the travel and the importance of the matches. But now it's on to Chicago Wednesday, where they will look for a repeat performance from last night.
4: Yeah we've all just got to be prepared you know everyone's been aware for a long time that we've got this, this stretch of games coming up and it's going to be tough uh, physically with all the travel mentally being we'll be away from home for a longer time than we're, than we're used to um, but you know we're, I think we're only actually staying over in um, in places twice so um, we're still going to be at home a lot and uh, you know we're, we're just going to have to make sure that we're all we're already physically and mentally and um, ready to kind of repeat the
10: performances like like we had tonight. The the standing is so close and so tight, guys, that we are three points behind the the uh, the third place and only three points ahead of the tenth place. So every game is is a is a massive uh, uh, opportunity in order to to get uh, ahead in the standings, and that's where we want to be.
3: Well, Canada did the expected today, and they blew out Lebanon at the FIBA Men's World Cup in Jakarta, but they also got some help from Latvia, who beat France, meaning Canada, has already guaranteed itself a spot in the second round. Canada plays Latvia Tuesday in another important game that would give Canada an inside track to the quarterfinals if they can win it. Canada knew this was a gimme, but they wanted to play the right way and they played a great team game. Kamloops' Kelly Alinek. what a beautiful bounce pass to RJ Barrett for the dunk. Kelly is a seven-footer by the way, but he passes like a point guard. Shea Gilgis-Alexander didn't play a lot, but he is a highlight reel waiting to happen. Beautiful coast-to-coast basket here. Canada led 29-13 after one. Everyone played today. Trey Bell Haynes was the best off the bench. He had five of Canada's 18 three-pointers. He's a very good outside shooter. Dylan Brooks with the exclamation hits the three at the halftime buzzer. 66-30 at the break and with points and against one of the tiebreakers. Canada kept the pedal down. Olenek goes in. He had 12 points, eight rebounds. R.J. Barrett who struggled against France, was better today. The Windmill Jam, he led Canada with 17, twenty-eight seventy-three 73 the final. Canada's 2-0. They are moving on to round two. They'll play Latvia Tuesday, 6.30 a.m. our time. The record carries through to the second round, so it's an ultra-important game for Canada. The Lions are officially struggling after pretty much breezing through the first half of the season. Lions got dominated in their own stadium last night by Hamilton, getting humbled 30-13 by a team at the bottom of the Eastern Division. But the Tiger Cats were hungrier and easily won this cat fight man it just sucks i hate losing man i hate it i hate it more than i like winning and it's just it's tough man but we got we're gonna get it together man we, we, we're
12: gonna get back to work and we're gonna get right
3: maybe we need to handle when things aren't going our way for whatever reason maybe we can handle that better of digging ourselves out when when things aren't going our way for whatever reason um i think we just got stuck when it, when it didn't go our way we we never uh never fought our way out of it CFL tonight Red Blacks and Elks could Edmonton finally bust their four year home losing streak which has reached uh, 22 games Canadian quarterback Trey Ford getting another start he can really run scampers in for the touchdown. Elks took a seven one lead and then in the final minute of the first half it's for to Eugene Lewis who breaks a tackle and then takes it the rest of the way. It's a 66 yard touchdown pass and run 17 five at the half and it looks good for the Elks they're up 30 14 late in the fourth that 22 game streak about to come to an end final round of the LPGA Canadian Open from Shaughnessy in Vancouver Brooke Henderson had two bad rounds and two very good rounds this week. Today she was very good four under sixty eight. Finished at two under, tied for 13th. No TV time for Brooks, so we can't show you any highlights. But she did go out early before the cameras got fired up. South Korea's Jin Young-Ko rolls in the birdie at 16. That gets her into a tie for first with Megan Kang. And then at 18, now leading by one, Jin Young-Ko with a 10-footer for par, drains it. So she posts nine under so pressure on Kang but at the 18th after a great approach to uh, she will have a chance to force a playoff and she makes it for the birdie. So they are just about to start the playoff right now at Shaughnessy Megan Kang and Jin Young Ko. Final round of the Tour Championship from Atlanta. Victor Hovland smiling because he's got a six-shot lead and it's 18 million first prize. You'd be smiling and whistling too. Abbotsford, Nick Taylor, first ever appearance at Eastlake. Missed the birdie at 18 but he finished at two under. 25th place in the field of 30 but how about a $550,000 paycheck anyway? Nick won nearly $6.6 6 U.S. this year. His best season ever. Corey Connors finished one place less than him at 26th. Meanwhile Xander Schauffele did make it interesting. Down six, as we said, when the day started, but cuts it to three after this birdie on the 12th. His uh, seventh birdie of the day, but Hovland just had nerves of steel. This is a 23-footer for par on 14, and he makes it to keep the lead at three. Had he missed that, things would have got interesting. And then all he did was birdie 16, 17, and then here at 18, finishing in style, a 7-under 63. Victor Hovland is the victor of the FedEx Cup with a resounding win, finished at 27-under, a five-shot win over Shafeli. Hovland collects that trophy, and oh yeah, $18 million. Next major golf event, the Ryder Cup in Italy at the end of September. Jays taking on the Guardians from Toronto. First inning, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. launches his 20th home run of the season. A two-run shot into the second deck, so it looked good early. But Cleveland went back up before Toronto regained the lead and it's the rookie Davis Schneider one more time the former Vancouver Canadian with a two run blast his fifth home run since being called up a few weeks ago the Jays lead at five to four but once again they couldn't hold it they blew a few chances to win it and then got burned in the 11th on this two out. Doubled a right that scored two. Another costly loss for the Jays. 10-7 the final. Toronto now two and a half back in the AL wild Card with 31 games to go. The Mariners won again. They now lead the AL West by one over Texas and Houston. And we'll finish with the Dutch Grand Prix. Home race for points leader Max Verstappen who's won eight straight races this season. The 105,000 fans roar their approval when Verstappen passes to get into second. It was rainy conditions. Heavy rain late in the race actually brought out the red flag when it got a little too treacherous for the drivers, but once again it was Verstappen who takes the checkered flag, his record-tying ninth straight win. Fernando Alonso was second, 3.7 seconds back. Canadian Lance Stroll was 11. And that is it for sports.
1: All right. Thanks, Barry. Well, from extreme sport to another, we're going to meet Robin O'Neill. She's one of the female OG photographers breaking barriers in extreme sports photography. That's still ahead.
3: This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agency's group. 50 years of trust in your community.
1: 13 years ago, a Whistler woman broke into the field of extreme sports photography and has built an impressive career. As Jay Durant reports in This is BC, she's now mentoring others, hoping to follow in her footsteps.
2: A move to Whistler to learn to ski and mountain bike has turned into something much more for Robin O'Neill.
12: Just being in love with the sport and being in this community, in this culture, it was a natural transition to want to capture what was happening here.
11: She's
2: now a successful sports photographer, catching some breathtaking moments high up in the mountains.
12: I think you always have to be alert for what's going to happen next.
2: It's a complete change from the path she was on early in her career, capturing images during non-profit work in South America and Africa.
12: What got me really interested in photography was going to different cultures and traveling and being engaged with the local communities.
2: Through the rush of these wild rides, O'Neill has carved out a career that very few women in Canada were doing when she got her start.
12: It's an intimidating transition for me. I didn't have a background in the sport.
7: how amazing she has been an
12: influence in women's action sports photography. She was really one of the pioneers for being out there. I would ask them where they're riding or how they're riding. She's
2: been a mentor for many young photographers.
12: So let's see now.
2: Holding workshops with the hopes of inspiring more females to shift their focus to the more extreme.
12: If that's something that they want to pursue and and they love the sport, that there's a pathway for them.
2: One day she plans to return to her nonprofit work, but for now the mountains are home, providing the backdrop for some incredible images.
12: I don't know if I'll ever have a foot completely out of action sports. Working with the athletes and seeing people doing the thing they're most passionate about. Go for it, Dylan. You end up creating relationships that are everlasting and, um, you know, they become some of your closest friends. Nice!
2: Jay Durant, Global News.
1: And if you know someone who has a great BC story that people need to know about, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. All right, we're going to head down to the p where Yvonne is. Um, Yvonne, you got some yummy food for us. <laughs> Barry, I
9: hope you're there this time I because am. I've I got a Brandon
3: I I know from you Taco loved, Nori. I know you I love, love it there.
9: Yes, I love tacos and I love sushi. Brandon, tell me which ones I'm trying right now.
4: Uh, so right here we have the California. She's going to take a bite of that one first. That one's the Taste of the Fair special, it's it's $10. Than ball. That one's one of our best sellers. And the one right here is a spicy salmon. This one is definitely our biggest uh, biggest seller. It was the best one. It's my personal favorite as well.
9: These are delicious. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. We can find him on the Midway. It's been very busy there.
3: See both. you guys. Yeah, I'm about
1: full, so I'll send it back.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks,
1: Yvonne. Two of our favorite things: sushi, tacos,
3: and Yvonne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there
1: you go. Thanks for watching. Have a good night. Have a good night.
3: <laughs>
9: <laughs> for most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does.